Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, I'm going to share with you this morning. We're going to be talking about living in a connected world. A connected world. At any moment, while we're in this worship time, you, you could go ahead and have some type of electric message sent to you. Most of us in here have some type of device, sometimes even on us, that can carry that. Uh, it's, interesting, it's interesting that now in churches, in Southern Baptist churches, about 50% of the people in the pews do not have a Bible with them, a, a, an actual physical Bible. What they have is a Bible on cell phone. So I'm going to take a little survey this morning. How many of you all have your Bible holded up? Don't pull one out of the out of the pew. I heard that. I'm going to go ahead and pull it. Okay, good. How many of you all have the Bible on your phone? Hold that up. Wow. Okay, we've got at least half and half. That's really kind of an interesting thing, especially when we talk about being in a connected world and living as Christ followers. Guys, because of that, a couple of prefaces to what we're going to get into today. Number one, you are here this morning by God's grace and that alone. You're here this morning by God's grace. I want you to take a little test with me. Grace means, get. by the way, grace means getting better than you deserve. And I want you to think, this is the test, I want you to think about all the things that happened in your life this past week. Okay, close your eyes. Be sure to open them afterwards. Close your eyes. I'm going to just take this off. Put the pulpit mic on. I love this thing. It, it about kills you. Squunches your ear all up, and I'm going to end up with a big old fat ear on one side as an old man. All right, kick that up just a hair. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and think about all of the close calls that you had this week. Okay? Close your eyes and think about it. What was a close call that you had of any shape, size, or form? Okay, when you get it, raise your hand. Okay, we got it. Keep, keep thinking. Don't fall asleep. Come on. Do you have any close calls? All right, put them down. Eyes open. Here we go. Every one of you had a close call. Every one of you. If you ate food this week, which all of you look like you did, if you ate food this week, somewhere in that food was a microbe or bacteria that was harmful to your body. Oh, Clyde, you don't know that. Yes, I do. CDC says that every day we ingest some type of carcinogen, something that could cause us harm. Your body and mind designed by God is supposed to repel and ward those off. White blood cells go back to, to ninth grade biology and all that. You were in peril. You had a close call. I had a lot of close calls on Thanksgiving Day. Anybody else want to amen that? Yep. I had millions of close calls. There were desserts. And for diabetic Clyde, that is a close call. And I managed to survive those. Guys, you're here by God's grace. 
And God welcomes you with His grace to approach His throne and to join and worship Him. And that grace came at a price. Now we all know what that price was. Jesus dying on the cross in your place and mine for your sin and mine. God then asks you to trust that He has your sin problem solved. That's what He asks you to do. He wants you to trust that He and He alone did that so you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to work to be a better person. Instead, what you do is you follow what He tells you to do and He makes you a different person. That's God's grace in action. And He doesn't want you to go back to the B.C. days. You know what the B.C. days are, right? Before Christ, the way you used to be, before you knew Jesus. Those are the B.C. days. Not only does he give you that grace and it came at a price, but it also, a part of that price is to be different than the current culture. You see, Paul writes to his favorite church that we're going to read about in a moment, the Philippian church, about being different and acting different towards others. Now, a few moments ago, <clears throat> there was a skit about Lottie Moon. I got news for you. That wasn't really her. We have been trying to pay that lady off for a hundred years plus. We have a Christmas offering every single December to be able to do that so that we can go and raise mission money. Lottie Moon was a fascinating lady, but that wasn't her. Matter of fact, when Debbie came up there and proposed this to me, I was thrilled that she would be willing to go in and do that. But guys, one of the things about it is you've got to ask yourself a question. How long do you think that actress could keep that Lottie persona working? Could she go through the rest of the day? Yeah, probably. What about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow, folks, it's supposed to be kind of some weird weather. Can you imagine walking around with full-length dress and that thing that was sticking out the back was a bustle, okay? Ladies, aren't you grateful you don't have to wear a bustle? To, I don't even know what those things do, all right? But whatever they do, they collect rain, okay? And you don't have to wear one now. That's good news on the fashion front. You and I can't keep up acting like a Christ follower any more than she could keep up being Lottie Moon for a week or a month or a year. That Christ follower motif, we can't keep working for our lives any appreciable time. We have to actually have a change in us, and that change is brought about by God's Holy Spirit, and it lasts forever. Now, this is the preface to what Paul was trying to get when he talks to the Philippian church in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read that together. We stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. It's really interesting that God asks the Philippian church for a favor. God doesn't go ahead and command them. Paul doesn't command them. Paul asks for them a favor. And this favor was not something that he felt compelled to ask them and say, hey, you owe me. You need to do this because I'm Paul and you're not. As a matter of fact, when he asked them this, this favor, it's interesting that these set of verses, Paul doesn't order them to do anything. When he asks them, he says, if you have been changed, will you let God make that change permanent and quit fighting it? Now, essentially, that's what he says in verse 1 and 2. He says, look, 
If God has given you his love, if you're experiencing that, if you're experiencing his grace and his mercy, if all of these things are operating in your life, and then he puts it in what's called a conditional clause. It's an if-then clause. Here's the premise. If these things are happening in your life, then would you be willing to, and he continues on. What changes is God working in your life right now? Are you battling him with it, or are you letting him come in and do his work? Are you fighting for control like the Philippians were? Or are you instead saying, God, whatever it is in me you need to change to be like you, you've got the free reign to do it. Paul made this request. Paul was a somebody. God makes this command. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Guys, the Apostle Paul, when he made this request, calls on the Philippian church to do two things, and by the Word of God and His Holy Spirit this morning, he calls us to do the same thing. Number one, he says, examine who you are and what you are doing. All right, got another test for you. Take a test with me this morning. What is different about you before you knew Jesus and now that you let God have control of in your life. Before you were a believer, you did these things over here. And, and now that you're Christ follower, you do these things over here. Okay? This is not a rhetorical question. If you want the sermon to get over quick, you will answer this. Okay? I need three people who will say, here's one thing that God put into my life that I didn't have before I knew him. What is it? Real quick. So hold your hand up so we don't have... All right? Yes, sir. Wow. Big one. Okay? Someone else. We got to have a whole lot of Jesus in here if nobody else has anything. Yes, ma'am. Love for others. One more. Yes, sir. You got peace. Guys, all of these things... Paul says, if you examine yourself and you see these things in yourself and they weren't there before, then this is the work of God. And he says, okay, these are the things that God wants to begin to operate in your life and you let him. And guys, most of the time when we let God do things like that, we go, okay, I'm going to test it out first. I'll let him have a little bit. And if he does okay with that, I'll give him maybe a little bit more. God wants all or he wants nothing. And he demands of you and me that we surrender all. We don't have a conditional surrender to God. And so if you're beginning to see those things like forgiveness, like loving one another, like peace, those things God wants to expand in you. You say, I've got enough forgiveness. Really? Aggies, are you willing to go ahead and forgive the referee that threw the flag in the Clemson game? I know you had a good game last night, but that one is still gnawing at a bunch of my Aggie friends. Are you willing to go ahead and forgive the person that injured you 30 years ago and you've been hanging on to it? That's going to take a whole lot of forgiveness, Clyde. God wants to expand that in your life. And Paul says that that is part of the, 
part of the stamp that says you really do belong to Jesus. You don't just stay the same. You continue to change to become more and more like Jesus. He says something else. He says, look, not only do you examine who you are, but you examine Christ and imitate him. Paul also makes it clear that the long-term imitation of a man or a religious leader will not work. Our goal, our God, is Jesus. Find out everything you can about him and then ask him to begin to implement some of those same traits and characteristics in your life. But listen to me. Beware. He takes no prisoners. He will not allow you to become his child and remain the same. Guys, please hear this. If you're the same after you have said, I'm a Christian, as you were before you said you're a Christian, listen to me. You're not a Christian. You have been lied to. Because Jesus changes people and He changes you and me quantumly. And on the most minute scale, He makes you different. That's why when we invite Christ into our life, and that's why when, he, when Paul talked to the Philippians, he said, if these things have happened in your life, then here's what I want you to do about it. I want you to go ahead and begin to apply them to other people. See if you recognize this guy. Everybody know him? He's the nut job that flies kites in electrical storms with a key. He's the fellow that invented over 60 patented inventions that changed revolutionary America's life. All right, help me out. This row right here, who is it? It is Benjamin Franklin. You win, okay? Benjamin Franklin, he had an amazing quote. And it fits with what, with what Paul is wanting to say to you and me today about living our life for Christ. Listen to me. Here's what he said. And he said this to all of those other men who decided that they were going to rebel against King George III's authority. Listen to what he said. He said, gentlemen, we must indeed all hang together. or We will most certainly hang separately. What does that have to do with the Bible verse we read? There are no lone wolf Christians. You can't be one on your own. Now, I know there are circumstances where you may be the only Christian in a household or things like that. But the Bible says that we have to gather together to encourage one another, to hold each other accountable, and to go ahead and be able to work as the body of Christ not just as a cowboy out on the range by himself. That doesn't work. You and I as the church of the living God must all hang together or we most certainly will hang separately. Because there is an enemy of God that's, that hunts us down and picks off like the wild dogs in Africa, picks them off one at a time, the weak and the vulnerable from the herd. And he is relentless. The Bible says that his one goal is to separate you from God. And to separate you, if you're a believer, from being used by God. Don't let him win. Hang together. 
as a Christ follower. Not only does God call us to do that, but he also calls us to have extreme joy. Joy. The idea of Jesus, others, and you. That little, that little quick puzzle to put the words together as a reminder says that Jesus comes first in my life. Other people come before me. And then somewhere as a distant third, I find my place. So how do you treat others different in a world that is going in hyperdrive? What happens when you run into folks in church or out that she may disagree with? In our culture, the rule has become don't cause any problem and be as neutral as possible to get along with everybody, okay? This concept is totally against the gospel mindset. And we are, we are to be loving and different, salt and light, fearless and meek. And this isn't, this isn't an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is, right? Jumbo shrimp is an oxymoron, okay? When you see that on a menu, you're not getting anything except a slightly larger, small crustacean, okay? It isn't huge. One will not satisfy your appetite. If it does, you need to come over to our house for Thanksgiving, okay? It is Christ living in you. And guys, one of the ways that you and I can go ahead and live in a connected world that is difficult to impact culturally, listen to me, is put the phone down. Now guys, I remember a pastor that was my pastor at Northway Baptist Church, Billy Weber, and I remember him and others that would preach against technology and culture. These evil things that are coming in. You know, you know what the evil thing was at the time? Some of y'all remember the, the little handheld football games by, I think, Atari. You remember those things? The little guy would run up three spaces, run down three spaces, and then he'd go, do, 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 all the way across. And he said, those are taking up all of the time. People are, are, are getting locked into those. Guys, let me share with you. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to preach against technology. Technology is a wonderful tool. But guys, if you and I are going to engage a connected world, we have to use technology, but we can't become absorbed and engulfed in it. Think about this. If you want to engage someone, put away all distractions, like your cell phone. Way back in 2011, the Pew Research Institute noted that a cell phone was the most popular technology device across all age lines in America. Since 2011, it has crossed now to the fact that most of the people in this room, matter of fact, they say 94% of people in this room either have a cell phone or a computer connected to the Internet. If you don't, God bless you. God bless you. But most of us do. It also stated that when asked, the one thing that Americans of all ages didn't want to lose was their phone. They put it in a different way. They said, if your house was on fire, what would you go in to try to save out of your house? Now, there used to be a day when we would say pictures, photographs, special mementos. You know what they said now? Every one of them said, from age 50 down, my phone. My phone. Guys, if we're going to connect, 
with people, we have to go ahead and eliminate some of the distractions. I watched last night the Texas A&M LSU game. It was absolutely compelling. I'm not even, I didn't go to either one of those schools. I, I know a lot of people that did, but I'm, I, I wanted SMU to win. We lost to a team from a town that they write country music songs about, okay? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I'm up there at, at whatever time it was watching this game because it is riveting. And they took a pan shot of all of the Aggies after the game was over. They take this, this shot, all of the, the thousands of people still there. And you know what a lot of the ones were doing? Hey, you just won the big, you haven't beaten those clowns in eight years. And you're going, hey, put your phone down and absorb life. Engage others in life. While you're doing that, learn to listen. Two ears, one mouth. Use in proportion as God designed. Don't just wait for the person to finish talking so you can reply and get your shot in on an argument. Hear the why and not just the premise of what they're saying. If you want to get along with people that don't know Jesus and you want to connect with them in a connected world, that's one thing you've got to do. Listen. Another thing. Don't take everything personally. Not everything is personal. Wow. This is a big one, even in churches. Disagreement on an issue doesn't mean the other person dislikes you or rejects you. It doesn't mean it becomes the basis where we separate because we disagree on what color the pew cushion should be. Guys, we live in a, in a society that says everybody must have group think. Everyone must do and think exactly the same. Thankfully, None of us in this room are clones. Facebook, Twitter, social media. Generally, when you're a part of a group in there, it is the same group with similar ideas and ideals. And if you disagree with someone, what do you do on Facebook? You punch the little button over there that says unfriend, and you do everything you can to destroy dissent. To the point that the, that the founder, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, has now said, we are going to go ahead, as this great engine of social media, we are going to now limit speech and what is content that we deem, read I deem, as Mark Zuckerberg, acceptable. So if you post something on there supporting a particular political idea and it is not something that he agrees with, or the staff at, at Facebook, they simply close your account down. Guys, listen to me. We have reached a point in our culture where if I disagree with you, I, I, I basically dismiss you. I try to destroy you. Guys, that's not what Christ wants in our lives. And the Apostle Paul says this isn't the way that you live your life in a world that is connected around you and you have to be connected to it. 
We have to have interplay there. Refer to the admonition in Paul to put others ahead of you. But in that, there is no compromise in Christ. It doesn't mean that you are a doormat in Jesus, and we don't change to meet the world's view, but we remain the breaker wall. This is a great concept. That idea of rocks that are put out in the ocean that act as breakwaters against the storms that come up against them. And those in Florida, those are most necessary during hurricanes to save the coastlines. They end up acting as a barrier. Now, guys, this isn't Fortress Jesus here in Navasota. This is not a church where we go ahead and we pull our swords and we meet people at the door and say, are you like us? If you're not, get out. No, the Bible says we're something else. We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we attack the gates of hell. Because that's where most of our folks and friends are headed. It means you have to engage in social media. It means you have to be able to teach by putting this aside that I'm, I hope that didn't break. Uh, whole life is on that phone. It means that I go ahead and make sure that I can engage with someone else. And if I share Christ with them and they say, you are a fool to believe that, I can still remain friends with them while praying for them and bearing witness. Both Jonathan and Jace did that this morning. Last things. Did you notice what Paul said about grace? Getting better than you deserve. You and I, when we engage a connected world, must pray every day, daily, for more and more grace. It doesn't mean that I go and, God, give me more grace, give me more grace. Pour it on me because I, you're saved by grace. That's a once and done. But it does mean that as you're connecting with people who do not know Jesus, that you ask God to have grace to lovingly forgive to lovingly accept them as lost but worthy of the cross of Jesus. Guys, I've got people, people that I know in my own life who because of some interaction with me in the past, I can remember even as a new Christian going, you know, if hell is the place you go when you don't know Jesus, that person's headed for hell. And I would think about them. And instead of going to them and sharing Jesus with them, I'd be going, well, huh. if anybody deserved hell, that's the guy. Have you felt like that? Mm-hmm. And guys, I'm going to share with you, nobody deserves hell. No one. Hell wasn't designed for anyone. It was designed for the enemy and his angelic, demonic realm. So your job in mind is to connect with people in a connected world around us and to connect with them for Jesus. And the only way we can do that is to pray for more grace. That's what God offers you this morning, a new chance.
That's what we have to offer them as new church. Let's pray. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, I pray that you'll do your work in our lives. I, I don't pray for anything other than what you want to have happen in the next few minutes. If you call men and women and boys and girls to make the same kind of commitment that Jace and Jonathan made this morning, Christ in their lives, then, Father, I pray that you will bless us with the courage to make that public. You died for us publicly, and you call us to live for you publicly, and we get that chance to right now. If there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, and they want to this morning, during this song, help them to have the courage to come down and learn about him. If there's someone here that wants to go ahead and plug their life into a church family, and this is the time and the place, help them to say yes and make this a movement of feet as well as your heart and spirit. This time's yours, Lord. It doesn't belong to me. I pray that it will be blessed and given to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. If you are here this morning and you would like to make a commitment to Christ during this song, I encourage you to come down first lines of this music. Stand together. Let's sing. And you come as God leads.